0: I was just running on the beach and uh, had an accident with with this dog attack and she said oh you're the one we heard about you I would just love for everybody to recognize people who are different people who have special needs whether it be a physical need a developmental need and be willing to just take a moment smile be intentional give eye contact say hello, ask a question. Everybody loves talking about themselves and just give an opportunity to be in relationship with somebody. It would be a world, world changer.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Kinder Smoots is with Eagle Wings Disability Ministry. Welcome, Kinder. Thank you so much for having me. Let's just start with I know we had you on a couple years ago and you have some big events you do, but I'm sure after COVID and everything, there's probably a lot
0: of new things. So why don't you start with what it is? Eagle Wings Disability Ministries, we're a nonprofit organization since the year 2000, and we help adults with developmental disabilities uh, build relationships in the community and wherever, right where they live. majority of the people we serve do live in adult family homes. Some of them still live at home with caregivers or their parents, but all the people we serve are poverty level and they all require a full-time caregiver. Whenever we have a ministry, we have a why. So what is your why? Well, my why uh, began in 1992. Uh, My husband and I were given the gift of a little girl named Kayla and Kayla had special needs. Uh, Her needs were just physical, which is different than the developmental adult that we serve, but Kayla had a diagnosis that's pretty rare called arthrogryposis. She was confined to a wheelchair. It's a joint disorder. So she was pretty much paralyzed from the neck down, but it did not keep her from socializing and just making all kinds of friends and having an impact on all kinds of people. But the thing that created the why in me is her selflessness and her compassion, the amount of patience that she had. It just really taught me so much about how to look at other people. So Kayla died in 2003. And after she passed away, I needed something to do that would help me with my grief. And I've always known that giving back to the community or volunteering somewhere can help with that. Uh, Randomly, uh, somebody had heard about my loss, and it was the founder of Eagle Wings, uh, Hank Wapstra, and he called me out of the blue. It's not a guy that I knew. And he just called me and said, hey, would you like to uh, come meet with me and talk about Eagle Wings? I did. I was willing to go and willing to serve. And so I started volunteering there. And last year, I just celebrated my 20th year as executive director. Congratulations. Thank you. So Kayla, how old was she when she passed? She was 11. So she had been going to school and you'd been doing all the things. Yeah. I mean, I was really immersed in the world of children's hospital, physical therapy, Kayla had numerous surgeries. We had a full-time RN uh, that worked at the house helping me out with her because she had feeding tubes and just lots and lots of medical care, lots of equipment. But she was mainstreamed in regular classrooms. She was just a super smart kid. And she was so comfortable educating people about herself and making friends that, I mean, that was really one of the strong teaching points about having a kid with special needs uh, for me and Kayla I could tell you a hundred stories, but yeah, she was really an amazingly smart kid. And was she your only child? She was the middle of our three kids. Having her be in the middle, she really had great relationships with both her older sister and her younger brother.
1: Which brings me to my next question, because you talk about helping adults with disabilities build relationships.
0: Differences uh, between kids and adults. Kids really have an advantage being in the public schools or having their parents be able to advocate for them. That's their social circles and it's kind of their routines of what they do during the day. But what I saw was this population of adults who just stayed at home all the time in their adult family homes. And when I was new, my very first event that I volunteered for with Hank was a Christmas celebration. And it was in Marysville, and it was supposed to be this small little potluck for 60 people. I looked at the invitation, and I said to Hank, you know, could we just make something nicer, more Christmassy, rather than just black text on a white piece of paper, And so I created an invitation and I really took it around to some of the adult family homes, sort of as a solicitor, said, hey, we have this Christmas dinner coming up. All you have to do is RSVP. I love that 100% of our programs are free, but they needed to RSVP. And then we would have Santa there and a photo booth, uh, little fun gifts for them and some Christmas caroling, and they would get to have dinner. Like I said, it was supposed to be for 60 people. We ended up getting reservations for 240 adults at that first. (laughs) event. And it was time to quickly uh, exercise my delegation skills and call in friends and ask them to set tables and bring dishes and help me host this Christmas dinner. It was remarkable to see all of these adults come out of their home and singing Christmas carols and being part of a community, having them sit together at tables with friends. It was so powerful. And that's when I knew I had to be part of this organization that would bring this out more often into our community. You have an annual event? So we have an annual event. That Christmas dinner was one. That was the first one I did in 2003. And then in 2004, we did four of those big events. And then it just continued to grow every single year. And then before COVID, we were doing 44 of those annual events. Um, Dinners with different themes. We do things like a birthday bash where we celebrate everybody's birthday. pirate bash, St. Patrick's Day celebrations, even like Valentine's Sweetheart Dinner dances and a winter ball to celebrate the new year, but all throughout the year. And of course, uh, things changed during COVID where we had to just revamp our programming. But along with building the celebrations over those years, we also developed some life groups, some Bible studies. We now have an ASL life group, which is a, such a great combo because we have adults who are not only deaf, but also have a developmental disability. It's a population in our community that's really isolated. And so we have them get together, and I have a person on staff who uh, is fluent in ASL and runs those groups. And then we also added a staff member, Megan, who has Down syndrome and she's 30 years old, and she's just fantastic. Uh, She leads a life group of her own, of peers. That particular life group is run on Zoom, and it's exclusively for people who are shut-ins, so uh, people who can't get out of the house. She's such a great uh, influencer and has such great impact on the people we serve as well, because it's one of their peers. So we do those, the, the life groups, the Bible studies. And then this year, We actually kicked off a couple of new things. We're starting some art classes, which will be super fun. I know it's one of the favorite things of the people we serve, but then also helping out with the local school district. They run an 18 to 21 transition program, and uh, we're having somebody come in and teach some art classes and then also a cooking class. I'm super excited. There's a cooking class for the students tomorrow. I know that today they had their grocery list that our teacher gave them. They had to walk to Safeway and shop for the items needed. And then the teacher will come tomorrow and help them learn how to make sheet pan nachos, (laughs) which is an easily replicable meal that they can then go home and make and that will be their homework. Super excited about starting that.
1: I love that. The one thing I keep hearing, and I know that for COVID, for the general public— We got isolated. I can't imagine when you have a disability and then being isolated. And it sounds like your biggest thing is about connection,
0: making people feel like they belong. And when we have connections, not only with our friends, but our communities, there's more opportunity. You have opportunities to volunteer. You have opportunities to find a job. So many of us have gotten our jobs through somebody that we know or somebody that makes a recommendation. And That's so true for local business owners. We oftentimes will have volunteers, you know, each of these celebrations we do is at a different location throughout the North Puget Sound, and it takes between 70 to 90 volunteers to host each one of these dinners because you have between two to 300 guests at each one. Each of these volunteers who come are members of the community and they're business owners, And they meet this population and sometimes they'll be having dinner with somebody and they'll think, this person is really gifted as maybe a greeter for my business. Or maybe they uh, have a special skill um, that they are narrowly focused on organization or attention to detail. And uh, maybe that they have a hardware store or something that has a lot of SKU codes that need to be organized. And so it's really a win-win. I would also add that one of our goals is not just bringing these adults together to share a meal. We typically have a live band or music or a DJ, but also not just to serve them, but also to see our volunteers leave changed. Some of those lessons that Kayla taught me about patience, long-suffering, especially forgiveness and being content, these are gifts that this population really has mastered. I mean, you don't see the people we serve batting down the doors for the latest coach bags and the latest fashions. They're so content with what they have. So many of them have DVD players and watch their Disney movies because they're like kids in adult bodies and they have this childlike mind and perspective of their world. That's something that a lot of us can use a lot more of in our lives, the contentment, to know what it's like to do without, to be patient with one another, and just to be okay with where we're at in a time of rest.
1: You talk about
0: volunteering, and
1: I want to get to the opportunities, but one of the things I know from being a volunteer coordinator that is often after events, When there's a debrief, the volunteers will swear that they got more out of it. That's so
0: true. We've had a couple of debriefings. And I mean, I can tell you stories. One couple in particular shared that the man that was at their table at the dinner also is the courtesy clerk at their local grocery store. And they said, we've never wanted to go down that aisle because he was at the end and they just thought, we don't need help with our groceries. We're fully capable people. And so they always intentionally avoided that check stand. It was a Thanksgiving dinner and he comes in and he sees them from across the room and he yells super loud, my customers. He hurries over to them and he gave the lady a big hug. And sometimes the people we serve, you know, they hug a little bit longer, which is okay, but not everybody's comfortable with that. And this particular volunteer said she just froze. She just held so still, almost like paralyzed. And then he held on just a little bit longer and she felt her heart soften towards him. And then he looked at her husband reached out and shook his hand and said, I'm so happy to see you guys here. Can we sit at the same table and have dinner? And they said, sure. But then the wife asked, why is it that you've never... Greeted us like that at the grocery store. Like she's thinking in her mind, maybe we would be a little more friendly. And he, of course, says, That's against store policy. I can't go around hugging customers. (laughs) You have somebody who listens and follows to the rules. And yet she said, It just changed her. She said, For the first time, I saw this population as tender human beings. And she said, Now we go down that grocery aisle every time we say, of course, you can help us. And they see that when they reach out to him, it fulfills a little bit of his purpose in that day too. That's the overall goal is to just soften hearts in the community and help us kind of look at other people through a different lens. I love that. What kind of opportunities do you have now for people to volunteer? Yeah, so since we have so many of these dinners all over the community, we have volunteer opportunities like crazy. We usually ask our volunteers to volunteer once a year, which isn't a huge commitment, but it's uh, it just brings so much joy to that person's life or their family's life. Uh, there's opportunities to serve at any one of these dinners that are throughout the year. We have 30 on the calendar for this year as we're continuing to rebuild after the pandemic. But we also do a day camp in the summertime. Last year, we did a superhero day camp and it was so much fun. And that's just a little bit longer of a day, taking people around to, you know, the swimming pools and various camp activities, and then, uh, of course, we have various fundraisers throughout the year as well. But the most fun is really just coming to a celebration and volunteering, bringing plates of food to people, and then when the band kicks up, doing a little dancing and hanging out and building relationship with people. That's the biggest need right there.
1: If someone wants to volunteer, how do they do that?
0: The easiest way would be to go onto our website. You could just Google Eagle Wings Disability Ministries, or call our office, just say, hey, I would like to volunteer, we could tell you by your geographic area, what event is coming up close to you, and then sign you up to volunteer at that dinner. Of course, if you have a space like a venue space in your community and you wanted to host one of these dinners, we do all the inviting and getting everybody there, and uh, we would be sure to fill your building <laughs> wherever you are. So we're always looking for coordinators of, of new events, and it's super easy. If you have something that you do each year, let's say you throw a tea party for ladies already, it's super easy to just replicate that event and then invite this population and just any little thing just knocks their socks off.
1: And you said that all of your events are free. So how do you get funded?
0: So we get funded through private donations and some grants as well. And then also some funding from local service clubs, things like Rotary and some of our volunteers come from service clubs as well. And then also some churches, but We're all privately funded, no government funds. It makes a little sense. The government does what they can to pay for clothing and food and shelter and caregivers. That's our taxpayer dollars at work. But building relationships for people is not something that the government even touches on. So it's super exciting that we can come alongside the community and help out in this way. So really, there is a huge gap. And that's what you are filling. I love that. Exactly.
1: When you look back on 20 years, that's so
0: amazing. (laughs) Tell me some things that you've noticed. Realizing how much joy the people we serve have, they're so appreciative. And that over 20 years, it's never, ever even diminished. You have a population who's you do a dinner and they're thrilled to have it be spaghetti night. Whereas if you're doing a fundraiser and you're serving food options, everybody is more particular about how their food is served and the quality of food. It just never ceases to amaze me how the people we serve just continue to be full of joy. The things that I've seen, especially during the pandemic. I was also working in this same job during 2008, 2009, when people's disposable income disappeared and the housing market crashed. I've just seen amazing amounts of generosity from people who really understand how to give sacrificially. So that means they're giving and it's going to cost them something. I've seen people give $25 a month, who really should be going to the food bank because I've been in their homes and their pantries are empty. And then I've seen people just bless us with amazing amounts of zeros on their checks. And then they also say, We don't want to give this without an opportunity to come and serve and sit down and have a meal with the people. It's been really remarkable. I'm so humbled to be here for this long and that the ministry would have me and we have a great board of directors to lead us. I was sharing with somebody we focus so much of our funding on our programs that we're still spending less than 3% on overhead. All of those gifts just work really hard to serve the population that it was meant to and I'm so blessed by it. Not that it hasn't been difficult. The pandemic for sure and 2008-2009 were the most difficult. But seeing people come alongside us is just amazing. Being willing to adapt our programs, we did things. Of course, we couldn't have any of those big gatherings, but people who were like, I'm willing to be a pen pal for somebody. And so we started that program so people could write each other letters. People who would just be phone calling, uh, spending time on the phone and listening to people, people who needed encouragement because they're stuck at home and depressed. We've seen some of that and also food delivering, helping resource food deliveries. There were a lot of food pickup stations and resource centers around various towns. And our teams of volunteers just would go pick up food and deliver it then to shut-ins. And yeah, we did a few front porch surprises and visiting people who were really extremely isolated from their front porch and talking to them through the window. We just have an amazing amount of support, both financially and volunteers.
1: Recently, you had a situation where you ended up in a wheelchair, actually in another country. (laughs) And and you wrote about it in your newsletter. Just
0: because you are thinking you're making good choices and living right doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Toward the end of last year, my husband and I usually plan a getaway after our big fundraiser so that we can focus on our marriage. And we did go to Mexico. We love staying at this one particular resort, but I went for a run The very first day that we were there on the beach, and as I was running, six boxer dogs came out of somebody's home and attacked me. I was able to safely get away from the dogs, but not without great harm. So I did spend two weeks in a wheelchair. Of course, that quickly changes the lenses, your perspective on everything. And here we are at this five-star resort. The majority of the guests there are from America, I was just amazed how day after day I would be, my husband would wheel me down to the pool. I would lay there. I could lay there with my leg propped up, but of course I developed a blood clot. So I really had to keep my leg elevated. So my two options were laying in a lounge chair outside or also just staying in bed or in the room with my leg up. I was being either transported. Over a few days time, I was able to manipulate the wheelchair myself. And I thought, okay, I can't complain. I got to get my upper body workout in. But I would be going around the resort. I would say to people as I'm passing by, good morning, or buenos dias. Even after 12 days, nobody would even respond to me. I had a difficult time getting people to look me in the eye. At one point, we were down around the pool, and the pool chairs were all taken up. And another couple came down, and there were two chairs, the only two chairs, poolside, that were vacant. And they were next to me. And the couple just looked at him and saw the wheelchair and said, let's go sit somewhere else. And of course, I'm just dying to have a conversation with somebody or visit. And of course, the staff at the resort were just wonderful and they would come talk to us and visit us. But it really opened my eyes to a different level of isolation that I haven't had before. So overcoming that in my mind, not only the physical injury and the mental injury, because I love to run I had signed up for a race for when I got home. All of those disappointing things. I run for mental wellness and it's just my go-to place where I can unpack my day. I all of a sudden wasn't even able to walk. Having people from my own country treat me like that was just the tiniest glimpse into the life of somebody who's actually confined to a wheelchair forever Or for longer periods of time. And it just developed so much more compassion in me. I know that when I finally was able to let go of my walker, I transitioned to a walker and I went back to one of our events and I saw some of the people we serve in wheelchairs. I just went up to them and hugged them and I just said, I have no idea what this is like for you, but I just got a barely a glimpse and I'm just so thankful. And one of the guys in our programs, he manipulates his wheelchair around so well. He's got a job for a baseball team and he can turn that thing on a dime and uh, get everywhere he needs to. I really struggled with that for two (laughs) weeks. Not the best experience, but yeah, I finally met somebody on the last day in the ladies restroom that came up to me and said, I can't believe you came to Mexico in a wheelchair. I mean, I've had knee surgery and just kudos to you. And (laughs) I kind of chuckled at her being the first person that I was having a conversation with outside of my husband and our friends that were there with us and the workers. I said, I didn't come here like this. I was just running on the beach and uh, had an accident with With this dog attack. And she said, Oh, you're the one. We heard about you. And I said, Well, enough about that. You know, how are you? And, you know, where are you guys from? And she said, Oh, we're from Seattle. Love being down here. And it was just refreshing to have a conversation with somebody that was being friendly. That's what affirms the work we do, just stopping, saying hi to somebody, making friends being in relationship. I mean, that's what Eagle Wings is for and what we're all about.
1: So you can find them at Eagle Wings Disabilities Ministry, and you have a wonderful newsletter that tells your story, but also lets people know what's going on, and they can sign up for that, too, on the webpage, right? Correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Do you, What is it that you really want people to know?
0: I would just love for everybody to recognize people who are different people who have special needs, whether it be a physical need, a developmental need, and be willing to just take a moment, smile, be intentional, give eye contact, say hello, ask a question. Everybody loves talking about themselves and just give an opportunity to be in relationship with somebody. That would just be, it would be a world world changer just to make this a better place if you know somebody
1: I know that you've got like 30 or 40 events but you've got a couple coming up soon when are they and how can people get involved if
0: you have an adult loved one with a developmental disability that you'd like to get plugged into our programs of course you can go to our website in Smoky Point on March 16th we'll be celebrating St. Patrick's Day with a dinner and a live band and all you have to do is sign up 100% of our programs are 100% free get on our invitation mailing list and get your loved ones plugged in.
1: Hi, I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new and join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.